Today on TechNado, we'll be talking with IT Pro TV member and contest winner Brian Bauer. We're also going to talk about a $722 million cryptocurrency scam and Apple's $50,000 cheese grater. That's all coming up on TechNado, starting right now. Hello and welcome to TechNado. I'm your host, Peter Van Rysdam, joined, as always, by Justin Dennison. Justin, how are you today? I am doing fantastic. I was first again. Yay. Yeah, I know. I did that. I, I tried to switch it up. And Dom Pizzette, how are you? I, I don't feel so special today. Yep. Yep, there <laughs> you have it. Yep. That's a good episode, yeah. guys. Yeah, I'm we're glad all... we, we put in the time and effort. Everyone's special. Happy holidays, gentlemen. Yeah. yeah. Happy holidays, indeed. Yeah, this is, uh, this is the week of uh, Christmas, mm-hmm. and... Uh, Annika is ending, I think, and uh, something else is happening. See, this yeah. is like guessing about this. Uh, it just seems like, you know, you don't guess ages. You don't guess no, I just, someone's pregnant. Always, you don't guess when Hanukkah ends. I just always go up on the inflection at the end of my sentences. Those are declarative statements. Kwanzaa <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> starting. <laughs> it's the holiday season. Everybody's freezing their butts off, and we're going to talk about tech. Yeah, it's actually cold here, too. But, it is. Uh, hey, I don't know if I'd call it cold. It's it's cold. It's Florida cold. It's brisk. It's Florida cold. <laughs> um, but the stories this week they are hot. Hot. Uh, so let's get to those. But first, uh, we'll mention we're playing Buzzword Bingo. We're trying it today using the interface rather than printing out the cards, which you can do either. But if you head over to go.itpro.tv/slash/buzzword-bingo, you can play along with us. Oh, there's Don's card. I don't know why you've already pushed some things. Previous. I just know that I'm going to say Linux and OS. In fact, I just did. That's strange. <laughs> Hold on now. I it seems like Dodge stacked the deck or something. Self-fulfilling. <laughs> testing the, the X's out there. Good for you. All right. Uh, well, let's head over to our first article and see if we get any more uh, things there. Apple's most expensive Mac Pro costs $52,599 plus another 5999 for a Pro Display XDR to match. So we talked about this computer when it first came out. Right. And it was like, the base was like six grand or something? Yeah, the what base it is, is 5999 So this means now they've basically released, hey, here's how much you can trick it out. Here's the things you can right. add. And if you click all those boxes, that's what you end up with. And, and in their defense, like, I mean, it is an outrageous price for a computer. Yeah. But when you deck it out, it's pretty high up there, right? So uh, for that, the one Justin mentioned, the 5999 you get 32 gigs of RAM, which I think is... Overpriced for just 32 yeah, gigs of RAM. I, that should have been, I would say, at least 64. 64, yeah. yeah. Um, but it has a octa-core Intel Xeon CPU, Radeon 580X graphics. That's and, the base one. Yes. Right, the okay, base so one. Like, if you go and say purchase, yeah. boom. And a 256 gig SSD. I think you could actually build that same lineup for probably about $2,000 with all the shelf parts. Uh, and they're charging 6000 so it's pretty outrageous. But when you bump up to the most expensive one, they're doing like four terabytes of SSD. They're doing, I forget how much RAM, a lot. 1.5 terabytes of uh, 2,933 megahertz RAM, 12, 128 gigabyte user replaceable. That's $25,000 of the purchase price. Yeah, yeah. But the bi- the biggest add-on cost-wise looks like yeah the RAM is twenty five thousand dollars. The GPUs and the GPUs are ten thousand eight hundred mm-hmm. uh, to add those bad boys. I mean, it, uh, I know obviously that's ridiculous. But is there is there there's, is there any case where you where someone would actually do all of those things as opposed editing to editing a bunch of four K? I guess eight K. Uh, yeah. Yeah, if you're editing video, you need high-speed disk disk access. (laughs) (laughs) Depends on what kind of videos you're editing, right? (laughs) Check bingo real quick. (laughs) Is that that a buzzword? I don't have that on there. uh, I I do. That's weird. If you're editing video, you need to be able to read off a disk fast. Uh You need to be able to get it into RAM fast. You need to have a lot of RAM. So it makes sense like in a certain scenario. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Mac OS is not as great as it used to be. And so when we're talking about like double the price of off the shelf components this is a tough sell and did you guys read i didn't grab an article for this week but that xdr monitor there's a special edition of it that has a matte surface on it and if you buy it 
you're only supposed to use the official Apple cleaning cloth with it. So I haven't read the whole article, but I did see that like a little excerpt. It was like, you get the cleaning cloth. That's all you get. Yeah. And then it, there's like all these like hiccups if you don't do what you're supposed to. Yeah. You void the warranty, I'm sure. Yeah. It's got this special surface. And yeah, so it, it, there's a lot of weird stuff. It is incredibly expensive, much like the last Mac Pro, like the trash can Mac yeah. Pro. Yeah. You didn't see a lot of people with those. And I don't think you're going to see yeah, a lot of people with these either. These. If you had 50, 53 grand to spend uh, and to build a computer, I mean, you could build a so lot better computer than this. At home, uh, eight months ago, I built a uh, an i9 with 64 gigs of RAM and three terabytes of SSD. And I think I just Barely broke 40,000. I just broke 2,000. Okay, that's less. Uh, yeah, a lot <laughs> less, significantly uh, you, less. You can get a blazing. Ma- Two grand desktop, you yeah. can get like a yeah. pretty hefty machine. I can't even justify this if you're doing like like the rendering. Like the RAM's really going to be what's going to be eaten up uh, for like if you have 4K or 8K video mm-hmm. doing editing. But if you use this as a render farm, right, the two GPUs, but then depends on what software you use. Because like Adobe products, you can't. Like you can't spread that around, so you'd have to have a single machine. But there are other programs yeah. that you can buy and say, I just want $50,000 of computers, and then you can just throw uh, this program, and it'll split it up and put it all over. But it, it's also a great kitchen appliance, so you're getting more than just you are. Uh, you are. a man. Now, that was, you know, everybody started calling this the cheese grater design, and a YouTuber actually got a hold of one of these and put it to the test. Uh, a couple of ladies uh, demonstrated using a real cheese grater and then ran up a Mac Pro, you know, the case slides right off the top. So they've got the actual computer sitting over here, so they don't have to yeah. worry about ruining it. Uh, and they ran cheese across it just to see if it would work. And um, it sort yeah. of works, right? It worked as well as a cheese grater does often when I do it. <laughs> the cheese is all stuck I, in I, it. I yeah. think you're using it wrong. Right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So for our listeners, uh, basically they did run some uh, cheddar cheese across the front of it, and it just resulted in cheese getting all stuck in the grate. Putting the cheese and that's right it. on the floor, too. I, yeah. yeah, so I'm 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 concerned, though, because if YouTubers can justify buying, at, at minimum, a $6,000 computer to rub cheese yeah. against yeah. it, are we doing something wrong? They make a well, lot more money than us. So I had this conversation with somebody, and, and they were asking me, like, you know, Don, why don't you just do stupid YouTube videos because you could make a, a lot of money? And I think that's true. You could do it for a couple of years. You burn out. And then you're, you know, like the guys from Jackass where yeah. you're— or, or then, you you know, <laughs> as with most YouTubers, you'll say something racist. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's yeah. I mean, you're done. Yeah. I figured that's like—that's 18 months, right? Yeah. That's so. Around the 18 Is months that the mark. rule? <laughs> Somewhere what do they call it. that rule? Yeah. Like the rule before Hitler. The racist Freudian slip or something Hitler like that. Is mentioned in any online argument. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, 18 months should be about it. For I think it was like PewDiePie who did, yeah. where he, he made a racist comment and then somehow recovered from it. Yeah, he's still making money. And then another and 10 months later, he down, did it again. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can't, I mean, if you're racist, you're racist. I mean, you know what we should do? We should invent a race to discriminate against, oh and then that way, you know, we wouldn't feel like bad people because they weren't a real race. The South Park did. Did they? What, what about, about the, the snorks? Ripping episode? off South Park? What about the snorks? The snorks. Yeah. yeah. Oh, those little... Well, they discriminated. Remember, there was a guy who had two snorkels. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, he was, like, run out of town. I always forget that old cartoons have, like, weird, like, like <laughs> subtext. Have you, have you gone back and watched, like, I watched uh, Snow White with my, my daughter a couple years ago going... Wow, this is the most misogynistic thing I've ever seen. The remember the crows, the Tex yeah. Avery cartoon. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's not great. Mm. You know, Disney has a movie called Song of the South. That it's they not on Disney Plus. Allowed yeah. to be played anymore. Yeah, yeah they, it's, it's like the one. Racist. It's like the one Disney movie not on Disney Plus. <laughs> they said, but uh, all right, I feel like we should move on before yeah. we get ourselves in trouble. Yep, which we will. Uh, this next one is uh, from the website. Uh, I don't know. Is this French Thoreau? Uh, Thorat. It's Paul Thorat's website. Oh, Paul Thorat. Okay. Thorat.com. Microsoft details its migration plans for the new Microsoft Edge. So just when everyone fell in love with the last Edge, now we have to get used to a new one? (laughs) Well, remember early last year, they announced that they were going to be transitioning Edge to using uh, Chromium Chromium, for its core. Or, you know, in the article, they just say it's Chrome as the core, which basically is. Uh, So that's a pretty big change. From a UI or user interface perspective, it doesn't look all that different, but the back end rendering is different. So they're having to figure out how to roll that out. 
to create the least, least impact on people. Uh, and they finally announced a date, and that date is January 15th, 2020. So in just a couple of weeks, the all-new Microsoft Edge is going to roll out. Uh, at I believe, and don't quote me on this, but I believe at the same time, they're going to roll out the new icon, which is why they've got that logo up there. Have you guys seen all the new icons Microsoft's rolling out? I haven't seen the new icon. You know what that reminds me of? It looks like a Firefox icon, like if you, oh, yeah. you kind of like blurred it. Bit. It does. It's like yeah. a... Uh, yeah, it's like that. Firefox is his fire. This or is Ice Weasel, right? Well, the, the version of Firefox. So it's kind of going full circle, though, because, like, remember the old, uh, was it Netscape that had the globe and the flame would go oh, around yeah, it? it was, or was that IE? No, that. Actually, IE was the globe would spin and it was neat. But Netscape had a similar thing. It was like a. It was like an N that had an orbit or something, wasn't it? Yeah, they all have kind of ripped each other off, I think. Is that or Net Zero? But the. the uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the new icons rolling out of Microsoft. Somebody must be depressed over there because they're all blue, like blue with shades of green and stuff. It's mm. it's strange, uh, but you know that'll all be coming. But the new Edge is rolling out in January. That means if you are a administrator supporting a large network of Windows machines, then that new version of Edge could potentially break some of your web applications. You want to do testing on it. I think it's pretty safe because it is Chrome based. And Chrome has the majority of the market share right now, so it'll probably fix web pages. Yeah. I was going to say, oh, go ahead. Um, I was just going to say, in addition, January is kind of a loaded month. Python 2 dies January 1st. Mm -hmm. uh, Edge is becoming essentially a rebranded Chromium. Yeah. Um, I did see an article, it's not in the list, that the V8 JavaScript engine just had a new release, which will probably be integrated into Chromium. 40% less memory usage. Hmm. Um, is the, I was like, wow. So instead of eight gigs, I need six. Makes you wonder how they were throwing away that memory before. Yeah, who knows? Anyway, sorry. <laughs> they find a way. No, I was just going to say that there's a lot of programs in the or web applications in the past where you would go to and say, please only open this in Internet Explorer or, or whatever. And I don't feel like you see that as much. And especially if you do, it's not people saying do it in IE, it's do it in Chrome or do it in something else. So. I think a lot of people got burnt with that because yeah. I've worked places where they're like, yeah, our accounting software only works in Internet Explorer 8 or, you know, whatever it is. And then, you know, Microsoft's going to change that. Well, they would all they had they were forced to use Internet Explorer 8 for way longer than it, yeah, they, they should have. And then it ended up being security concerns. And then it was it was a nightmare. I, yeah. Internet Explorer 6, three years ago. People were like, yeah, can you make this work on IE6? I'm like, no. Yeah, ridiculous. No, it will yeah. not work yeah. there. Well, in this case, uh, it is rolling out as an automatic update. If you're running Windows 10, 1803 or newer, which everybody should be at this point, uh, then it will roll out. If you have it pinned to your taskbar or your start menu or, or whatever, those will all automatically link to the new version, uh, and you will be running it, and that will roll out. They said January 15th. That's the go live date. But, you know, the way the rollouts happen these days, it could take weeks before you actually get it. So just be on the lookout for it. I'm, I'm running Sierra. Yeah, yeah, I don't think you're going to be able there. to get it. Although they are working on a version of Edge for macOS. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's out yet or not. They uh, And I suspect that. that will also move to Linux, right? Because, I mean, if it's Chromium-based, that platform's across all three. Yeah. But also, why? Well, they just released Teams <laughs> for Linux, and so, you know, maybe they're... Visual Studio Code, which is a Microsoft product, also yeah. runs on all three major platforms. Yeah, here that's got feature parity with uh, Slack. Yeah? Yeah. So, actually, and the, the search works. <laughs> All right, uh, our next article at thenewstack.io. This week in programming, the time has come to pay attention to WebAssembly. Um, and I had been putting that off um, yeah. most of the year. It was on your to-do list. Yeah, it, well, I said, it, I don't feel like it's time yet. Yeah, you're right. You're <laughs> but right. now uh, that time has come. And, and uh, Justin, uh, what? what? So, <laughs> Justin, have you messed with WebAssembly? Uh, so I've messed a little bit with WebAssembly. I've cross compiled some Rust to some some Wasm just to interact with Node. I was actually looking at it. Oh, let me check Buzzword Bingo for yeah was Rust that, and Wasm. Wasm. So no, WebAssembly no, no. is abbreviated W A S M Wasm. Um, but I've also seen it cropped up in like Cloud Cloudflare workers. So they use it for system level stuff, mm -hmm. and they've rebranded parts of it called Wasi. So it's a WebAssembly system interface. So now it's a compile target for all these other different languages. And it's supposed to be very performant. Um, something I haven't used it a great deal uh, is in the browser because it's good for performance, but it doesn't have any DOM interactions yet. So I can't modify the DOM very well. Um, it's, it's interesting because it, it opens up the possibility of it's not just JavaScript in the browser, as well as, well, I don't need to install a Steam client I can have very performant games in the browser, crazy visualizations. Um, 
It's pretty interesting. So this was it was something that was promised to us years ago. When HTML5 was released, you know, one of the big things was that you could actually run real applications inside of a web page. And there was that demo, I don't know if you ever saw it, where they ran Doom, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the video game Doom, which is pretty old. It's two-dimensional, but looks three-dimensional, that kind of thing. And uh, and they would run it right in the web browser. You didn't install software. You just went to a web page, and there was Doom running inside of your web browser. Uh, WebAssembly helps to power a lot of that. That You can create applications that are full-blown apps that run right with inside of the web page. A lot of people have been holding off but the uh, basically they're solidifying version 1.0 right now. So now they're hitting what they consider the stable, ready-for-production environment. It's already supported in Firefox, Chrome, Safari, and thankfully Internet Explorer, although I did think it was funny that Edge is not in the list. I think that's probably what they meant when they said Internet Explorer. It'll be on Edge on January 15th. So, yeah, there you go. Maybe. Or if you're using Beta Edge already. Huh? Already, yep. So, uh, anyhow, really cool. And I, I think it'll be interesting because we're already seeing this trend of less and less desktop apps and more and more things running from the web. So, you know, people's email and calendars and all that is all in the web. You really just have like video games and graphics editing that happens locally these days. And what's crazy is this opens up the possibility of even those, which are typically C, C++, can also be compiled to WASM or WebAssembly that leaves open the option of, oh, that can run in the browser as well. Um, I think this is going to now make it to where people don't pick a programming language or a platform just for one particular use case. They go, oh, well, we're going to pick the best tool for the job. We'll just compile to WebAssembly, and then it can run wherever it needs to. So it's basically Flash. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, except good. (laughs) It works? (laughs) Ideally. Um, this did come out of, I think this came out of Mozilla, didn't it? Like Brandon Ike and Mozilla kind of I don't know. There's forward. the, what's the alliance, Byte Alliance or something like that yeah. that put it together? I can't remember. Do well, I don't need to download the Shockwave plugin? No. No. So I, well, I will tell you, if you get something that says you need to update your WebAssembly now, don't click it. Don't click it again? <laughs> <laughs> don't click it the first time. Stop clicking it? Okay. Yeah. Huh. I kept trying my password. <laughs> How do I disconnect my mom's from the password network? and my favorite dog. It was all there. Yeah. My second favorite dog. All right, uh, let's over, head over now to Foronix.com. Vim 8.2 released with support for pop-up windows. That's right. People have been saying, hey, I want more pop-up windows. <laughs> I've been hearing them. So so in a, in a web browser, a pop-up window is a bad thing, bad. right? But in an application, pop-up uh, windows are standard. You know, if you, uh, if you go into Microsoft Word and you go into your settings, it pops up a window and there's your settings, right? Your document in the background still sits there. Well, Vim is a text editor, right? And you can run it from the command line inside of Linux. So you don't have windows when you're in the command line unless you're using something like, I don't know, Tmux or something. Uh, but in this case, they've just updated Vim to have pop-up windows. Now, if you... Uh, actually, Justin, you use Vim a lot. I, I uh, use Do you use NeoVim? I do. So NeoVim, this was like one of their big features was that they had pop-up window support. So you could be editing a document and pop-up window to do various things. Uh, and it was one of the reasons for people to run NeoVim as opposed to regular Vim. Well, now that it's incorporated into regular Vim with 8.2, I I can't really think of a reason why somebody would run NeoVim anymore. Uh, I had some some of the toolings integrations that I use with Vim were really slow because regular Vim did not support asynchronous like code checking and like code analysis, so it would like actually lock my Vim. Okay. Uh, NeoVim supports some asynchronous things. It's, I mean, if you don't have those problems, it's about the same. Uh, so, um, yeah. I got ninety nine problems, and my NeoVim ain't one of them. Faux show. Sure. Yeah. Um, does <laughs> Does NeoVim uh, have Wasm integration? Uh, probably. <laughs> Who knows? I don't know any of the words I just said. Well, so to demonstrate the pop up windows with the uh, Vim eight point two, they actually rolled it out Space with a little bit of an Easter egg, a uh, a video game built right into Vim, which is called what is it called? It's called Killer Sheep. Killer Sheep, but that's it's it. it's I think it's Space Invaders. So yeah, there's sheep that come down from the top, and you blast them with your little ship, and this is all being done on top of your regular text editing. See the the little. Uh, Tilds on the left side. Yeah. That's you know they're editing some kind of file, 
And this is all being overlaid right on top all of the pile. Little yeah. yeah. I, I wanted to, to have it installed so I could show it on the podcast for people who are watching, uh, but it's not supported oh, your on the plugin. platforms that I'm on. Yeah, so I'd, I'd have to like manually compile it, which is a pain in the butt. All right. So I didn't do it because I'm lazy, and that's uh, the amount of dedication you get from me. Well, we'll play uh, <laughs> yeah. play Killer Sheep later. Yeah. yeah. Or you know, you can just go play Space Invaders and kind of. We could have a Killer Sheep tournament. That'd be great. Yeah. Well, so real quick, when you play Killer Sheep, do you have to know Vim key bindings? I don't know. Nope. I have a feeling Justin's going to win. <laughs> well, he based knows, on that, yeah. he knows Vim easily. <laughs> yeah. He can get around. I mean, it. if you think about it, you do have your fingers would all be rested right there. You yeah. It'd be pretty competitive. Yeah. Do you do you play video games, Peter, with uh, keyboards? I've, I have before, like yeah. WASD. Yeah, yeah. So just imagine it's not that it's HJKL. It's, yeah, HJKL. <laughs> hmm. uh, Very intuitive. Yeah, it's super yeah. intuitive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, but not capital HJKL. Does that work on the? That's uh, different. On the the Mac keyboard. Yeah, twenty fifteen. It works everywhere. It yeah. should. Yeah. yeah. In fact, you know, I, it didn't occur to me. I should have checked with like Brew or whatever to see if they had 8.2 already, because they might. But in, in the various repos I was looking at, they didn't have 8.2 yet. But it's pretty rare that we get to say, hey, there's a new version of Vim out. So this was a fun one, I thought. Yeah, only 8.1 times so far that we've... Well, the moderator of Vim, he's like, hard, like he keeps a, a pretty tight handle on Vim. All right, well, while uh, Justin's researching that, uh, we'll move on to our next article from Wired.com. Uber and Lyft suggest the days of cheap rides could be over. Both continue to record big losses, but executives at the companies hinted in recent calls that they're trying to cut back on discounts and subtly raise prices. I didn't realize the days of cheap rides had, had come, but... Uh, I guess it's all relative. Well, you know, when Uber launched uh, and Lyft, uh, originally they, they would be like half the price of a cab ride, mm -hmm. right? Significantly lower. And then people found out that they had taken hundreds of millions of dollars in rounds of funding, and they were using that to subsidize these fares. So, you know, you were getting a ride for less than what the ride cost. That's why they were able to undercut the cabs. And they were hoping to just like destroy the cab business, and then they could raise their prices afterwards. Well, various cities and states started blocking those rules. And so now they've had to continue to operate and they've been doing that at a loss consistently. I don't think either company's ever posted a profit. Um, and Lyft, Lyft IPO'd, did Uber IPO or not? I'm not sure, but, but I mean, they've I, lost so much money paying out lawsuits and uh, uh, harassment. I don't know. When I read this article, regardless of that, if you look at their quarterly losses, I'm like, man, I tell you what, give me a fraction of that and I'll walk. I, I'll do something. I don't know because yeah. I think in here, Uber lost five point two billion dollars last quarter. Well, aren't they just buying their time until self-driving cars? Like seriously, when they can not pay drivers anymore? Yeah, then they would make some money, I'm sure. But oh, I mean, with minus liabilities. But sure, there's a lot of people right now saying that we're coming up on a tech bubble, and that investors are dumping huge amounts of money into companies like Uber, like WeWork, that don't have viable business models, don't have any kind of profit structure or whatever, and that they're starting to wise up to it, that the investors are saying, hey, it's time for us to get a return on that money. And a lot of these companies just can't make money. So there might be some truth to it. I don't know. I'm not an economist, so I don't know if uh, we're coming up on a bubble or not, but I do think it's pretty ridiculous some of the companies that are getting funded these days. What 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 could you buy with a billion dollars? With a billion dollars? Yeah. What couldn't you buy with a billion dollars? You could buy my loyalty. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, listen, listen. If Uber wanted to buy loyalty for a billion dollars a piece, I'd they would have it. actually lost less money last quarter <laughs> just buying our loyalty. And they lost uh, a five point two billion loss for the quarter. Mm-hmm. Uh -huh. For the quarter. Amid record low growth uh, revenue growth. I'm sure there's several small countries with a GDP of less than a billion dollars. Uh, no, IPO in spring. They had an IPO this spring. Okay, so both of them have. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's, uh, it's a ton of money, and it's just amazing. Some of these companies, they make a ton of money, but then they spend a ton of money. Oh, this is interesting. Uh, Uber also took a hit in Latin America, where its revenue fell by 24% in the quarter, as Chinese ride-hail company Didi began an aggressive push into that market. Never heard we're of being, it. We're being undercut again Well, by China. Then lift <laughs> those bingo cards ready. <laughs> Better do uh, some tariffs. China. China. Um, Lyft lost $630 million, which is not $5.2 That's still a lot of money oh, lost. Yeah. 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 And then it's hard to tell when companies are making money because like Amazon, 
Amazon will make a bunch of money. Mm -hmm. And then before they report earnings, they'll turn around and do a bunch of acquisitions or other things to put the money right back in. And so then they don't show a profit. So they don't look like they're profitable, but at the same time, they're growing so much. Is that how they never pay taxes? I don't, I'm sure there's a number of ways <laughs> yeah, they make sure to never pay taxes. Because the money never comes to America. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we have to pay sales tax now. That's true. That's so. uh, more than the GDP of Maldives. Well, they could buy Maldives for one year. Well, or yeah. Barbados. <laughs> could probably or buy. Liberia. Or Aruba. Or, or Belize. Jamaica, singing, I was going to say, are we singing Kokomo now? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> don't think too much of it. It's uh, uh, no, it's got to pay. We, right we just thing. had a Beach Boys reference on the podcast. Yeah, first one. Fall into an all new level. First one. We need this year to end. Uh, all right. <laughs> all right uh, let's head over now to ZDNet for our next article. Russian police raid NGINX. NGINX. Yeah. Moscow office. Right when I started saying that, it's like, I... I've heard that before. Uh, Russian search engine Rambler.ru claims full ownership of Nginx code. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, I thought the, the government of Russia already had full ownership of the code. So this is a, an interesting one, and this should actually be like a, a warning to every open source product that's out there. Uh, you know, Nginx, in the last couple of years, uh, supplanted Apache as like the most common web server in the planet. So when you go to a website, there's a pretty good chance, like a more than 50% chance that you're hitting an Nginx server. Uh, And there might be an Apache server behind it, but you're hitting an Nginx server. So really, really popular software. The gentleman who wrote it, because it was one guy who wrote the original version of it, uh, did some of the work prior to going to work for Rambler. And then he did more work on Nginx and even used Nginx at Rambler. Now, Rambler was a search engine. Think like you know Google or Yahoo, more like Yahoo, because they, they weren't very successful. They were taking heavy losses, and they recently sold all of Rambler to a private equity firm. And so that it's, you know, it's been sold off into this brokerage or, or whatever. And that brokerage is now taking Rambler and trying to enforce every bit of intellectual property that it can. Mm. And this is just one of those fronts. And they're saying, look, the guy who wrote Nginx worked for Rambler when he was doing some of that code, so we own it. And now, over half the web servers on the internet are running Nginx. They can go out and say, like, you've got to pay to use that, right? Uh, So that could be a huge cash cow for them. So even though Rambler.ru as a search engine didn't really stick around, They've now got this this kind of method of attack. Now, at the end of the day, it's not that big of a deal because uh, for most of us, we could just go and fork the. It's an open source product, right? So you could fork it and then create your own branch and you know call it whatever. Uh, and now you've got your own nginx that's open source and free and whatever. But if you're a business that's running it, this kind of puts you at risk. And so we'll have to see what happens. But uh, but basically, the Russian government got behind Rambler. And they uh, raided, which raid's kind of an aggressive word, but basically they went in and uh, took all the computers and all the other information out of the Nginx headquarters office there in Moscow. And, uh, you know, they're going to be running through the courts. We'll have to wait and see what happens. So I use Nginx. I like Nginx. It's very performant. It also allows um, not only just a simple web server. You can do load balancing. You can do reverse proxying. Um, And they do have a paid-for platform, Nginx+. Plus. I've never used that. It works great. Uh, it solves a problem that happened with Apache. If you have large um, scale problems, the C10K, mm-hmm. so 10,000 concurrent connections, eats very little memory. I just went to their um, their uh, their GitHub. I do not see a license, an open source license stated in their repo. Oh, that yeah? become an issue? That may be. I mean, if if this guy can't prove that he wrote it and it's his, and I mean, you can go through the GitHub history, but if he doesn't, pr- if he doesn't like designate it under like GPL or MIT, like does that does that harm his case of saying no? This is supposed to be free and open source. Well, it's hard to say because I don't know all the Russian laws. Just right? true. So you know, this is all happening in another country and uh, a very very different country than ours. So uh, so I'm not sure, and you know how that's going to affect us, but. It shows that when you use an open source product, you don't necessarily know the history behind its development, and it might be something that's free to use, and so you start using it in your company, and then it turns out the license comes under question. This has happened a few times over the years. This is the only one that I've ever gotten worried about, just because it's used everywhere. You know, even for us at IT Pro TV, where our website is behind Amazon CloudFront, CloudFront is 
powered by a number of Nginx servers. So, uh, you know, they, they may get hit with a lawsuit that may impact us indirectly. All right. So we'll see if our site stays up. Well, so it's not like it's going to take our site down. Oh, thank God. But the price of hosting might go up. Ah. You know, if all of a sudden Amazon has to, has to pay some kind of annual license to be able to run that software. They'll pass those savings on to us. Well, right. They'll do exactly what they did to Mongo. And write their own. Yeah. 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 So something will supplant that. Um, anytime there's something like this, it always, I don't know if that's an effective business strategy to say, hey, we're going to try to enforce by taking this and, and chart Oracle and Java. Hey, you need to pay us for this use of Java. No, I'm not. I'm going to uninstall it <laughs> and I'm going to go install OpenJDK. Yeah. Boom. Uh, I don't. So then what will likely happen is the firm that owns Rambler will then just go for, like, damages mm -hmm. against all the companies that were already running Try it. Try to so. enforce the patents, basically. Yeah. yeah. We'll see what happens. We shall see. All right, let's head over to the next article from abcnews.go.com. Three charged with running a $722 million cryptocurrency scam. Three men who ran a cryptocurrency mining scheme that took in some $722 million have been charged with fraud conspiracy. Oops. And there, people are uh, describing this as a, as a pyramid scheme, a Ponzi scheme, essentially. So I don't feel bad because during the like crazy cryptocurrency rush, right, the huge push, there were companies that had a pyramid graphic <laughs> that talked about how they could like force, uh, like you would get, they guaranteed returns on your investment by saying, hey, if you give us 10 grand, we'll buy a Bitcoin, we'll flood the market with crazy blah, blah, blah. It'll drive the price up, we'll sell it, we guarantee your return. But it had a pyramid on it. It said, here's all of you, here's the next level. And then when you start investing, you get here. So there were that's a pyramid scheme. There were multiple yeah. levels. Yes, yes. And what it's multi-level marketing. marketing. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's <laughs> so, not a pyramid scheme. You know, uh, but it was kind of masked a little bit because when you when you mine cryptocurrency and and we we saw this with Bitcoin in the early days that when you would mine it, it finally reached a point where it was really hard for any one person to mine a single Bitcoin, and so people started forming groups and they would all mine together and kind of pool their efforts together. And if one person found a Bitcoin, it would then get divided amongst the whole group. Mm. And so that kind of arrangement is actually pretty common. There's a number of really large groups where you can join up and and you get a fraction of each Communist Bitcoin. Communist cryptocurrency. Uh, kind of, yeah. yeah. You know, from each according to their need to each... No, from each according to their ability <laughs> well, to each according to their What you need. describe sounds like a real estate trust. So... That's what Marx is writing about, I think. Yeah. About yeah. This. yeah. So like I get collectively, we pull our money, we buy some real estate as the backing investment. Yep. Um, I, but you're mining, you're spending electricity to hopefully get currency. So in, in this case, what was different is you were paying to be a part of the pool. And so money was coming in and then that was creating the fake earnings. That's what turned this into a Ponzi scheme. Uh, but I could, I could see where somebody wouldn't necessarily notice what was going on because the, some payouts were coming out and, and it's not an uncommon model, but $722 million is a ton of money. And you know, we don't we don't post this on our, our website, but we have a, a little system we use in the on the back end here to keep track of what articles go on the podcast. And Justin, your comment I thought was hilarious. Uh, do you think they'll be able to afford some good attorneys? Yeah, I think they will. Yep, yep. <laughs> uh, as long as I don't want to make a uh, an example of them, there is some pretty um, how do you say damning <laughs> like a quote here. One of the guys was like, "Yeah." They had dumb investors. They referred to them as sheep, said he was building the whole model on the back of idiots. <laughs> Sounds Oops. accurate. Hmm. Don't write that stuff uh, down. You know, one of yeah. the three guys, his name was Jobadiah. Yep. I would trust somebody named Jobadiah. It just yeah. sounds like a trustworthy name. And he's from Florida. He is. Yeah. Or taken into custody in Florida, at least. So Florida man, <laughs> <laughs> along with Colorado man. His and third location man. with his $722 million. Yeah, he probably has many. Yeah. <laughs> in the in the winter I'm a Florida man. Yeah. <laughs> Some right, Michigan just, man. Just remember that uh especially in the world of Bitcoin, that it has passed the point where the electricity cost of mining a Bitcoin exceeds the value of the Bitcoin. It's not worth it to do it. So if you are part of a team that makes it look like it's worth it, uh you're likely getting scammed. Yeah. Uh and that's are there exceptions to that where electricity, like geothermal electricity, is like really cheap? But even then, yeah, it's like right. it's toe in the line. And the price of Bitcoin fluctuates. Like yeah. when it dropped down to $7,000, for a moment, it was actually profitable again, yeah. but then it, it went back up. So, yeah. But for the most part, it's not profitable. All right. Uh, so I have uh, – I've been made fun of 
for a couple of years by these guys <laughs> uh, for my Foscam uh, camera. It's a uh, a Chinese made camera sitting in my uh, uh, in my home. Oh, I thought you were gonna say bathroom. Well, my that's in my home, uh, <laughs> and just basically so I can talk to my dog. But uh, apparently, other people can talk to my dog through it. Most yeah. likely, um, found out his dog was plotting to rob him. Yeah, my dog's been <laughs> talking to a lot of people. Yeah. So I said uh, this this Black Friday, I went out and I said I'm gonna I'm gonna get these these ring cameras. Came in a little two pack, uh, the new indoor camera that they have, so cheaper than that expensive outdoor one that they were um, selling. Uh, and then I see this article from digitaltrends.com. Hacker accesses ring camera in little girl's bedroom to tell her he's Santa. And, and you know, that would have been scary, but okay, well, well, this guy's just seeing what he can do, and he's talking about Santa. Uh, but Santa doesn't normally tell you to break your TV and mess your room up, and it's okay. You're not going to get in trouble. So <laughs> that this... Uh, I also uh, played Tiptoe Through the Tulips, a song used in many horror films. Sure, yeah, which I hope the kid hadn't seen, but... yeah. So, uh, you know, this one, Ring and and Amazon, the parent company, uh, they are being run through the ringer right now over there. (laughs) (laughs) See, I can work for ABC. Uh, Are really just being thrown under the bus for their security practices. But I'm going to have to side with them on on this one. In each of these cases, this is not a hacker hacking the camera. It's a password reuse, right? Yeah, I so, got an email. Um, so as a as a Ring customer, uh, we always talk about, hey, do we don't know what really happened here? How did this breach happen? Uh, and I got a, 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 an important security update from Ring um, just the other day uh, that that said exactly that. Malicious actors obtained some Ring users' account credentials uh, from a separate external non-Ring service and reused them to log into some Ring accounts. So this is not a situation where um, you know someone. Uh, crack their encryption to to get in there. Now, um, on vice.com, I didn't grab this article because it was so terrible. They had an article, and their headline was, we tested ring security. It's awful, <gasps> right? So I'm thinking, okay, well, they must have found something different than password reuse to say that the security is awful. So then I started to read the article, and, uh, uh, and it, it says, like, it's not so much being watched. It's that I don't really know if I'm being watched or not. He goes on to tell a story about how two of his colleagues were able to log in and watch him. See, Joe, can you tell I'm watching you type? You know, he just goes on to tell this story, right? Well, then he says, my colleagues were only able to access my ring camera because they had the relevant email address and password. But Amazon, so he gave them the username yeah, and password. Which is what you would in. use for resetting your password. That's not a hack. So I think it's funny. And they're not doing anything to keep them from breaking into customers' accounts. I, I don't know what to tell you. Like I had someone reach out to me the other day. They had a, a um, you know, like Google. If you have like logins from weird, like locations, it'll mm-hmm. inform you. And they were like, "Hey, I just got this. Is this legit?" And I go, "Yeah, it probably is. You sh- you need to change all your passwords immediately." Um, yeah. I don't know how they got it, but I know that you tend to reuse passwords. Yeah. You need to change all of them. And there are things like that a company can do, right? So if they see a login from a new geographic region that hasn't happened before, do an email verify, right? Uh, multi-factor authentication is something they can do to help. Uh, one service that they were starting to recommend is that uh, when a database is published of compromised passwords, that they run their customer accounts against that database. Uh, some people view that as a great way to solve this problem. I don't. Because not every hacked database is published, right? And and so how are these companies supposed to get a hold of these databases to run their own user accounts against it? it there's a whole nightmare there. So uh, that's not really a viable one. But there are some additional things they could do. At the end of the day, though, most of this is falling down to people reusing the same password everywhere. And, and the scary thing, not scary, but the, the shame here is that this reflects on on Ring because people are going to say, oh, did you hear that that people were watching some... Yeah, eight year old through their their ring camera. Well, you know who's really taking the hit on this one? Santa. Santa. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's creepy anyway. <laughs> yeah. He's like you don't sit on my lap. You know what I'm sleeping? Hold on. What? Yeah. Back up. I'm naughty. That's weird, yeah. man. All Where do you right. get all this coal? And yeah. what are you writing down on that list? <laughs> this guy, he's up to uh, that bowl uh, full of jelly. Never really looked at it through those eyes. You guys have taken a uh, wonderful <laughs> childhood memory and warped it. I have a feeling uh, yeah. we'll not be getting much. Uh, I think we just made him Krampus. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's exactly it. <laughs> yeah. We'll stuff you in a sack and take you back to Spain. Where, where did the Krampus thing come from? Because so, two years ago that didn't exist, right? Well, it's no, just, I think it's a German. Yeah, it's, it's Austrian German, German. German folklore that like became widespread. 
once people started seeing those parades and things. I, th- I mean, I think honestly, it's like YouTube. People watching the videos of, oh, I just see these these they have parades through the square with all these people dressed in extremely yeah. scary. Austria, Bavaria, Croatia, Czech Republic. Yeah, he was one of the. He like hangs out with Saint Nick. Yeah, they're friends. Okay, yeah, so he punishes He's the, the muscle. bad people. He's the muscle, and Saint Nick rewards the good ones. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, there we go. Learn something new every day. All right. I mean, that's what the internet told me. Yeah, and it can't. Must be true. Uh, this next article is on Engadget, and I have to scroll past a uh, USAA credit card ad, uh, cashback every purchase. Twenty right. twenty will be the year you start using an ad blocker. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, a thief took Facebook hard drives with payroll data from a worker's car. They contained payment info for about 29,000 current and former workers. So I assume when we say payment info, we're talking ACH, routing, and all that kind of More stuff. More than likely. But what, what, are, what are these Hold hard up. drives how doing? Did, how did they get the car? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's my question. Why? Well, let me just, uh, what, what's the most sensitive thing we have in the office? Let me grab that and put Bill, it in the old. I don't think these hard board. drives are good in this server. They should go in my Geo Metro. Yeah. Put them in there. <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, rolled up the windows. When I first saw this article, I just, I just assumed like, oh, they must have stolen somebody's laptop, right? But you wouldn't say hard drives when you're talking about somebody's laptop. It doesn't make sense. And in this case, they they were actual hard drives that were in the car, and they've been pretty light on the details on this stuff. Uh, they are saying that uh, that you know the data was there. They have notified the employees that were affected, and they're doing credit monitoring or whatever. But if the hard drives were encrypted and secured, if they were supposed to be in the car, then this wouldn't really be a news item. It wouldn't be an issue. But apparently, uh, you know, the, the data was on the drive, and I have not seen anywhere where they've said whether the drives were encrypted or not. So this is the worst kind of data leak because you can have all this amazing technology and firewalls and intrusion prevention systems and stuff like that, but breaking into a car doesn't require really anything, even electricity. Like a, like a hammer. <laughs> in Facebook's own statement, they say this this is believed to be just a smash and grab, and uh, we don't believe that it was targeted. They were just Someone saw a bag and, and went for it. But So let's put out this big announcement where we're, we're like, telling you. There's 30,000 hey, people's information. If anyone that. reads this and you stole it, that's super valuable, just so you know. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Uh, Bill should have taken them out of the servers, yeah. Yeah, uh, they they have not explained why the person had the hard drives. I feel like this had to be some kind of offsite backup type thing. Like maybe they would take the hard drives to another location and they stopped at Denny's on the way. <laughs> so yeah, it says, "quote No evidence of abuse that that they've seen." So it wasn't, you know, it sounds like it's something that followed their protocol. And Th- that just means that none of the twenty nine thousand people have seen fraudulent charges on the credit. Oh, I card thought this yet. was saying that that. The employees uh, are being abusive of like having this information. Oh, oh, no, hold on. It says the employee whose car broke into wasn't uh, supposed to remove the hard drives from Facebook's office. And the company says it has taken, quote, uh, appropriate disciplinary action. Wait a minute. That's super ominous. (laughs) Like, we won't have to worry about his personal information anymore. Yeah, we uh, unfriended him, if you will. It was Tom (laughs) from. Did they roll out the dislike button? Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, so uh, here's an employee who wasn't supposed to have the hard drives off-site, but did, and it was, you know, the uh, the payroll records for thirty thousand employees. That that just how do you get me, them? Makes me feel confident about Facebook security. So I'm just trying to like, where are those? I'm just trying to yeah. think in the office here. Like if I, I there's multitudes of offices. If I just walked in, and was like, hey, I'm going to take your computer apart. Yeah, let me grab these real quick. But but here's if I'm not supposed to have these drives. And I took them off site, and they were stolen. I don't think I'm reporting that crime. You know, good point. Cause it means you stole them, and then somebody stole them from you. Yeah, like this is a hot potato. I- I'm instead going, "Oh, the drives are missing from the office. That's crazy." <laughs> yeah, someone had broke my window. Who has? I'm sure they're that. unrelated. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My car's broken into too. This neighborhood is really going downhill. Number two, <laughs> put them in your trunk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, there we go. So. uh even the companies that are making billions of dollars and investing more money, in, like Facebook puts more money in security than our entire company makes in a year. Wouldn't know it. But they have stuff like this, yeah. Yeah, doesn't but, matter how much money you spend if you go, you know what, we forgot to we forgot to keep Bill from taking those hard drives with all that they, information. They, in they can afford it from all the money they make selling our, our data. <laughs> Maybe they just sold them to him. <laughs> and they're like, but you can't take them off site. You just, you have to look at them here. Yeah. 
they're just thinking, look, we've already sold the information on those drives to numerous other companies. This is not a big deal. <laughs> the only employees. thing we're mad about is that we didn't make any money on this transaction. Yeah, yeah we're suing for damages. Zuckerberg. <laughs> All right. Uh, it's yeah. funny. When I think of Mark Zuckerberg in my head, I still think of yeah, the uh, Jesse Eisenberg. Jesse, uh, Jesse yeah, Eisenberg. They, social networks. Like to me. Yeah, social network. I haven't seen that. Huh. Is it all right? No, it's stupid. Okay. I mean, it it it's, it tells you the story, you know. So it, it tells you a story. It tells you a story of how Facebook happened. Uh, all right, let's head over to CNN.com for our last article of the day. New Orleans mayor declares state of emergency in wake of city cyber attack. So this is just the next uh, city in line with Baltimore. Well, you know, Tacola. New Orleans got hit last year, oh, yeah. and now they've gotten hit again. So the old the double whammy was not learned. Yeah. So I, I mean, I'm sure they had to have done some kind of investment to better secure the network from, from last year's event. But either way, they got hit again, and this time they're declaring a state of emergency. Which the important thing here is when a when a government official, like a mayor, governor, whatever, uh, declares a state of emergency, is they then have access to federal funding to be able oh, to smart. offset the damages. Right. Well, this sets up a really weird scenario because. Uh, you know, we've heard from other cities where they took out insurance and they got hit by ransomware. And so the insurance company ate that loss because that was part of their cybersecurity insurance. In this case, doing a state of emergency is letting the taxpayers suck it up. And I'm not okay with that. And I don't know if we're going to start seeing this more and more over the next few years, but like if a if a city or a state or the national government underinvests in their network. I don't think we should have to pick up the tab for that. I agree with you. I agree. Aren't we indirectly paying for the insurance anyway? If, uh, if it comes from their operating budget? Insurance companies, though, are you're, the you're ones eating a, the losses, but we're paying right, we're for paying the insurance for premiums. But it's a, a much smaller percentage. Tis true. Tis true. It's like when you're self insured, which actually a lot of US vehicle, uh, the US government vehicles on the road, even in Florida where insurance is required by law, the government is allowed to self insure their vehicles, and they do. So again, taxpayer dollars pick that one up too. Yeah, not big on that. Yeah, it's a bit of a skewed system. Hmm. Hmm. So, aren't there aren't there laws that say these are the things that qualify as a, a state of emergency? Like I thought these were like natural disaster things. So it is actually not as well detailed as you would think. There's a lot left to discretion, and the reason is there's disasters people don't anticipate, right? Like and terrorist attacks or something. Terrorist like that. attack is a great example. Like prior to September 11th. I don't think anybody ever foresaw the possibility of two massive skyscrapers being destroyed simultaneously. Yeah. You know, so they don't want to be too strict on the rules around what counts as a state of emergency. So they have some leeway. And the actions they're allowed to take once they once they do it, like they can mobilize the the, the guard and the they National did. Guard. Yeah, the incident is being investigated by the city with the assistance from Louisiana State Police, Louisiana National Guard, the FBI, and the Secret Service, according to tweets. I wonder why the Secret Service is involved. Tax dollars? Uh, they get involved with money. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Department of the Treasury. Yeah. Well, anyhow, it is a all-new level. Of, and it also says that if you are an IT person and you're terrified of ransomware, because I've, I've spoken to a few people where they're like, I just, I, I don't. Which you should be. Then go work for the government because they got you covered. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to give us a real negative there. And he's like, no, get a government job. There you go. That's you're a, fine. <laughs> you'll be fine. You're like, man. I just infected everything with ransomware. State I, of emergency. I want to keep an eye on this one. So far, they're being responsible, right? So far, I don't think they've done anything crazy and wasted money or whatever. But I think that there's certainly a possibility that something like that can happen. And if more cities and if more states start doing this, then we're really going to be taking a pretty big hit. Like a lot, we already waste taxpayer dollars on a ton of crazy projects. This this is even worse than that because we're effectively paying criminals. Yeah, and and like you said, it's scary because we might be setting a precedent that yeah. Because we've seen how many cities now this year have been uh, yeah. been attacked. and Just when they were getting scared enough to say, you know what, it is time to buy better security software and it is time to train our employees to be smarter. Oh, no, never mind. We, we have access to FEMA funds now. So, yeah, no bigs. Oops. <laughs> oh, well. Hey, uh, it's interview time. And you know what? A couple of, uh, like a month or so ago, we had uh, a contest here at IT Pro TV uh, called IT Pro to Go, where we uh, picked an IT Pro TV member to go out and visit. And uh, and Don was, was fortunate enough to be the IT Pro that goed in the uh, IT Pro to yeah. Go. He went. 
Yeah, I know what it did, but I was going for IT Pro to went. Called IT Pro to yeah. go. So IT Pro to went. Doesn't have that ring. So anyway, that's the past tense. Uh, IT Pro to go. We wanted to uh, <laughs> to invite the winner uh, also uh, here on the podcast. We could chat with him a little bit, and it's always fun to see you know um, day in the life of of real people, uh, the IT uh, pros out there that are uh, on the front lines and and hear what uh, what he's dealing with. And so uh, we're going to learn all about him coming up right after this on TechNado. Are you a career changer or a budding tech pro who's looking to start their career in IT? I'm Wes Bryan, and along with my fellow IT Pro TV edutainer, Cherokee Boost, we've just shot a new show just for you. Each week, we'll dive into topics to help you launch your career in tech. Watch how to get started in IT on YouTube now. Just head to youtube.com forward slash IT Pro TV to watch and look for new episodes every Saturday at 9 a.m. U.S. Eastern Time. All right, welcome back to Technado, and it's time for our guest today, and it's a very special guest. We had a, a promotion here recently at IT Pro TV where we, uh, we it was called IT Pro to Go, where we basically said we're going to take one of our edutainers and uh, and go out and meet some of our members, and uh, got a lot of submissions, and uh, and our favorite, the winner was Brian Bauer, who is our guest today. Brian, how you doing? Pretty good. Yeah, uh, I got Dan coming. In. Came to the food bank. He came in a box too. I think there's a picture somewhere. Yeah, we've got Don. Don was in in a box. We'll, we'll definitely get to that. Uh, we were actually uh, we were able to sneak uh, Wes Bryan on the plane as well. So it was actually two IT pros uh, to go, which was fantastic. But uh, yeah, so Brian, you are the IT coordinator at Feeding America Eastern Wisconsin. So um, can you give us a little bit of background about uh, about Feeding America? What you guys do there? Uh, we we. Uh, provide uh, food for the food pantries. Um, so we pick up directly from the grocery stores and um, the food drive boxes. And then uh, we sort it and then uh, it's delivered or picked up by the pantries and then the pantries feed it to 600 members um, located across all of Southeastern Wisconsin. Yeah, and you guys gave us a tour, and it was it was like, oh, wow, this is impressive. And then we turn a corner, and it's another warehouse full of food. Oh, wow, this is impressive too. And then, oh, let's show you the cold storage, and it just kept going and going. So it's, you know, definitely, uh, uh, I'm sure a lot of people that you guys are, are serving the, up the there. The number they said it was something like 26 million pounds of food per year, wasn't it? Yeah, it sounds about right. Yeah, that's a lot. Been what what I do, I so, feel like. So I wasn't there. Obviously, y'all were there. I'm trying to figure out how's it involved in this. Yeah, so so Brian, you're doing a little more than just um, you know su- uh, supporting workstations and stuff. There's there's some inventory stuff and and some things uh, going on in the warehouse too. So can you kind of tell us like what what's a day in the life for you and, and what are the systems you're dealing with? Uh, we have about seventy desktops. Um, we have scan guns to scan in the uh, inventory. Um, then we also have an online ordering system um, that the members can order. Um, from the inventory directly. Um, we have two locations, so, you know, it's, it's remote remote work as long as, uh, you know, or, or a long drive. Yeah, and I thought that was pretty cool, actually, because you think about, you know, it's people that are accepting donations, and we're, we're saying it's not the end user, the, the consumer of the food, it's, you know, the, this... Uh, soup kitchen or this church or those are the people that are making the orders but they're actually able to go in and say hey we're low on on meats or we're low on these specific vegetables so that that's pretty cool is that um is that just tie into a database that you guys have or something you guys created or is this a system that um that that you guys went out and purchased and you're supporting now it's it's a uh inventory software called primarius um it's i believe it's written by ecca I'm just trying to social engineer it now so I can go and <laughs> yeah. order all of the uh, the steaks. It's to a little come old, so it's probably pretty easy, too. <laughs> oh, perfect. I think there's a, like a special place in hell for people to hack <laughs> into. Of, yeah. yeah, the people who are providing food for food banks. Now, now uh, you know, speaking of IT in general, though, like the, the type of support you're doing, you, you get pulled a lot of different ways. But uh, as you studied, as you've learned more about IT, is there a, a particular area that interests you the most? Like, what's your, your favorite area of IT? Well, I started off in desktops, um, and 
with the help of IT Pro TV, I'm hoping to move on more to the server end because right now we're, uh, we have an MSP uh, dealing with all the servers and I, I'm just uh, take care of the desktops. And you actually work a little bit with the MSP too, right? You're kind of loaned out at certain times and-, and Yeah, you know, two days a week. Two days a week I go over to their location and um, help them with the Windows 7 upgrades. That's a good way to get field experience, you know, and I, I always encourage people to get started doing desktop support because you would just be surprised at the things that end users do and the crazy stuff you encounter. And it sets you up to be like more prepared when you get into servers and bigger infrastructure. Uh, do you do you just do Windows or have you learned about Linux or other operating systems? I've watched uh, quite a few of your uh, Linux shows, so I've, I've been playing around with that a little bit. Now, Brian, speaking of desktop support, I, I've never actually, you know, managed multiple ones of these, but I've I've managed my parents, and um, <laughs> that counts. Yeah. yeah so I'd, I have a story. My dad texts me and says, "Call me as soon as possible." So I call him. He goes, "Firefox crashed. What do I do?" <laughs> and I go, "What? Look, is mom okay? What is going?" <laughs> yeah, I thought something was bad. Right? And he goes, "Yeah, the little box said it's going to close." I was like, "Did you click OK?" He's like, "I was afraid to," <laughs> and so I had to like. I clicked OK. He's like, now what do I do? I was like, open it back up. <laughs> so it opens back. He's like, is that it? Absolutely. I think about that, and I want to ask you, what is the craziest thing that you're like, oh, uh, <laughs> either like uh, it's out of left field or you're just like, I can't believe you're asking me that. There are always interesting stories when it comes to helping out maybe less technically savvy people. So what are, what are some things that you've encountered? Um. Well, I, I always enjoy the um, people that forget their passwords and then they call back like 10 minutes later, can you reset it again? <laughs> well, how did you already lose that? Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, all right, I wrote it down, I typed it back in, and then I ate it. I dropped the post. <laughs> yeah. um, so I just tell them, you know, check under your keyboard and uh, sure yeah. enough, it's right there. So Yeah, I always write mine on the bottom of the keyboard in Sharpie. Yeah, yeah, you don't have to worry about it falling off that way. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> except it's so hard to type when the keyboard's upside down. Yeah, and I'm looking. At you've it. gotten real good at it though. Yeah, I saw you doing it the other day because all the special characters. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so Brent, it's it's an interesting time of year right now. We're in the holidays. I mean, well, this is the kind of time I think where you, you see the most volunteers and everyone remembers uh, that there's <laughs> people that need help. But uh, we were talking about before we we started the interview today that that uh, one of the best ways to help you guys out is is financially as opposed to donating food or, you know, donating time is obviously great, too, because there's a lot of work to do, as we saw with Don uh, in a box full of green beans that were in cans. I should clarify, this wasn't this wasn't <laughs> Don wrestling Man, West. these snack <laughs> yeah. beans are awesome. But... Uh, um, <laughs> Uh, let's give everyone your domain uh, domain name so they can uh, go and help out. Yeah, it's uh, uh, feedingamericawi.org. Um, there's a green box that says to donate. You can click that and you're directed to a um, donation page. Yeah, and, and we were talking about basically uh, food banks in, in general can do more with cash because they've worked out deals with with local uh, restaurants, local supermarkets uh, to to buy food at a, at a severe discount. So uh, you give them a dollar and they can turn it into, I think it's like $7 worth of food is, is the st statistic that I've read. So, and money doesn't get botulism. And money, money doesn't go bad. Yeah, that that was, so actually what, uh, uh, we'll tell a little story for those of, of you listening when we went up, um, we said, hey, we wanna, uh, now that we're, we're here, let's, let's spend some time actually, you know, volunteering a little bit because there's other volunteers going around as we were getting the tour. And so we were tasked with, with um, re-labeling uh, some green beans that they had gotten in cans that the labels were torn and, and the, the cans were dented a little bit. Uh, and the, it was the hardest thing is figuring out which cans you throw away because on the one hand, yeah, I don't want people to die from eating bad green beans. On the other hand, I don't want to waste food that's been donated and, and just thrown away. But uh, we, we were a little too strict, I think, right, Don? Yeah, I think we threw out more than we should have. But, you know, I mean, still it was tons of green beans it was it was a lot uh but you know they, they feed a lot and uh you mentioned the url how it was feedingamericawi.org uh feeding america is all over well yeah. all over america i imagine uh so you know you might find one that's local near you if you want to go and volunteer like we did uh, volunteering with time is always great it helps out uh volunteering with money super flexible but uh yeah, yeah and you can leave a comment in there so I'm, when i donate i'm going to say for all the green beans i threw away 
here's my <laughs> apology. <laughs> I did the math. I threw away at least 100 cans of green beans. This, is, this is green bean cash right here. <laughs> yeah, it's green bean. Yeah. Make a casserole, please. I'm going to uh, get the fried onions and the, what is it? Cream of mushroom. Cream of mushroom soup. Yeah. Do some good stuff there. Uh, Brian, what's your, what's your favorite uh, holiday side dish? Uh, probably the ham. That's a side dish. Well, I know wait a minute, we need to come to your house. Oh, going dish, up okay. there. Yeah. He's like, yeah. So we have turkey and a fried bull with a side of ham. I'll take I'm it, like, man. He's like, yeah. yeah, the prime ribs really where it's, it's at, amazing. though. Well, I didn't realize up in Wisconsin because you think about cheese there, but they said a lot of those green beans come from there, right? Or is it where they're just canned there? I don't remember. It was oh, we have about- a Del Monte um, yeah. plant right uh, in where is it? Up north. <laughs> <laughs> so wait a minute. You're in Wisconsin and you just went up north. Up north how, in Wisconsin. How, yeah. how far yeah. how far is the Del Monte up to, plant? Up to Green Bay. You've got yeah. yeah they're, Probably uh, past Canada somewhere. Past Canada. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's Russia, I believe. <laughs> you just keep going oh! over. Hang a right past Saskatoon. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hey Brian, we want to say uh thank you so much for um for not just um uh, entering the competition, um, but being an amazing host uh when we were up there. I know uh I know Don and I and 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 Wes uh, had had a ton of fun uh, up there getting to know you and and hopefully we can uh, continue to keep in touch. How's that sound? Yeah, I, uh, hopefully uh, next time it's going to be someplace warmer like Florida. You know. Yeah, that's in- what we yeah, that's what we got to do. We got to get you down here because when it was up there, when we were up there, it was like eleven degrees, and that yeah. is we are not prepared for that. We get to see snow, which for for Floridians like us is a uh, it's like spotting aliens and the fawns. So the fun statue. None, none of that sounds fun. No offense, Brian. <laughs> I, I, I moved to Florida because I was like, snow is dumb. Yeah. Beautiful on postcards. It's beautiful on postcards. It's beautiful like a day at a time to visit. Mm, uh, nah. No. You're, we're making Brian sad now. <laughs> Don't be sad, Brian. You have <laughs> sides of hands. It's a balmy six degrees right now in in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So hey, uh, I, well, I have shorts and my sandals. So yeah. <laughs> Well, go out and enjoy that beautiful weather. Um, yeah, sledding and skating <laughs> and, and whatever. Riding. Whatever. Happens. I'm not sure. Yeah, <laughs> cover up, please. But uh, Brian, thank you again for uh, for taking the time. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go warm up now in the freezer. So <laughs> yeah, it is warmer in there. Hey, uh, thanks again, and thank you everybody for watching. But stay tuned. We've got more Technado coming up right after this. Will you be in or near Gainesville, Florida anytime soon? Then you should come see IT Pro TV. Make plans to visit the studios. Get a tour. Meet your favorite entertainer. See what goes on behind the scenes every day to bring the best of classroom learning to IT professionals around the world. Simply chat with the member services team on the IT Pro TV website and let us know when you'll be visiting. We'll see you soon. All right, welcome back to TechNado, and thank you so much to Brian, uh, not only for joining us, but for all the great work uh, that they're doing up there at Feeding America Eastern Wisconsin. 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 Yeah, I was like, I almost said Eastern Michigan. I'm like, no, that's not where we were. It was cold. (laughs) Michigan, Wisconsin. You take the M and the I, and you switch the M upside Uh down, it's Wisconsin. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) He's mastered the English language. You should yeah. stick with that IT thing. Yeah, That's I should. A... I should. <laughs> but if you if you haven't gone to your local food bank recently and and uh, volunteered, uh, it was a, a very rewarding experience. Um, just seeing Don in a uh, in a box of green bean green cans yeah. trying to get out. Um, that was that was good times. By the way, yeah, uh, homebrew Vim eight point two. It's on there. It is. Check oh. it out. So if you're on macOS, you can fire it up. Yep. I checked WSL didn't have it, and Ubuntu and CentOS didn't have it in their repos yet. So yeah, there you go. Boom. Thank you. And you can play Killer Sheep. Yes, you can. And we're we're doing that right after we we get off the air here. Killer Sheep tournament. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> get that installed or whatever you have to do. That means I have to mess up my Neo Vim. Install it on yours. I don't even know what those words mean, so sure, I'll do that. <laughs> I've got all kinds of stuff installed here. Uh, but before uh, we do that and before we let you go, I want to let you know about a couple things coming up here at IT Pro TV. First of all, we've got another webinar coming up, and that is Thursday, January 16th at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, and it is Are You Ready for DAS Part 2? 
that is, of course, desktop as a service. Uh, we had the part one. So many questions. Didn't realize we needed a part two, but uh, after seeing all those great questions, wanted to make sure we got more information out there. So we're going to do a deeper dive into WVD with Mike Roderick and Wes Bryant. Head on over to itpro.tv slash webinars to... Uh, to go ahead and register for that one or all of our past webinars that are archived there as well. So you can watch the first one as well. Um, it is called, Are You Ready for DAS? <laughs> Part one. Part we one. had to retroactively yeah. change the title. Yeah, are you, are you, are we you, were planning on a sequel. Are you still and ready the studio for studio came to us yeah. and they were like, we need a second one. Or, and and yeah. it was going to be titled... Turns out you weren't ready for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And uh, and while you're on the internet there, uh, head over to go.itpro.tv slash technado. There you can find a coupon code for 30% off an IT Pro TV subscription. Uh, you can also find out about business plans available for your team and get a demo of all the great Teams features available for Teams. Teams. At IT Pro TV. Uh, that's go.itpro.tv slash TechNATO, so check that out for sure. Well, uh, gentlemen, happy happy holidays to you and yours. And I want to say thank you uh, to Don. You got <laughs> bring this up here. You got uh, you got me a gift. You gave me right before this for uh, for Christmas time. It is Die Hard Christmas. Um, it's the available illustrated on book. Amazon or from a bookseller near you. Yeah, it may be the greatest Christmas story or Christmas movie of all time. Now you can enjoy the timeless tale of this whimsical storybook for adults. It has Ooh, a bad word in it. Adults. So. Okay. Yeah. Well. Although we let our twelve-year-old read it, so yeah. What kind of parents are we? I'm looking forward to reading. <laughs> good ones. Good ones is what I say. Thank you so much. And and as I said, your gift. Uh, I ordered it. Um, <laughs> it's, it's in someone else's still vehicle. Still at the warehouse. It's this beautiful Florida pine cone. It's a used Foscam. <laughs> Look at this acorn cap. Yeah. You know, uh, I was. We went out to watch uh, this week in tech. Yeah. Out in Petaluma, California, and we saw a store where they were selling Spanish moss yep. uh, to use it for decoration. Wait, here, here in Florida, Spanish moss is hanging literally on every single tree, yeah. and it's a nuisance, and you can just grab it and go. So it's full I of red bugs. There is actually this market. Well, you, you pay extra for the red bugs because they're yeah. pretty. Do you smoke them out. So, uh, <laughs> so you, sell them? you have to wash them. Wash them. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Well, either way. So something as simple as a pine cone here. Could be a, a amazing gift in another city or country. What is really crazy is you can go to local home improvement stores and buy Spanish moss in a bag. Oh, so they've already taken the red bugs out, maybe. Uh, I would hope so. Uh, it's for like orchids and like decorative flowers like that. That's what you put around them. Um, but I, I, I use it as packing material in all the the gifts I've already sent that you that you send internationally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, so, so I saw I saw a clickhole article. The clickhole is from the Onion, of course. Uh, so it, it's fake, um, but it said all of the uh, all of the little spider eggs that they used inside Beanie Babies are finally uh, <laughs> are finally hatching. People are like, "What?" '90s kids, look out! Uh, uh, freak some people out oh, with that God. one. Oh yeah. man, <laughs> so good times. Uh, but that's that is not true. Have you ever seen uh, what was the movie Kingdom of the Spiders with uh, William Shatner? Does not sound like a movie I would see. Oh, it's phenomenal! Phenomenal acting. Was it one of those uh, bad? B oh comedy yeah, or B yeah. horror movies. It was definitely a B. Oh, film. those are fun. Kingdom of the Spiders is on my Plex. <laughs> if you're ever bored, one all right. Um, by the way, bingo. Anybody? Oh, bingo! I'm sorry. Oh, Thank you. Did you guys? Uh, I I got really close I this time. Too. I'm one away in two different columns, but I did not get it. I am also one away in two what, different what columns. Are you missing? Uh, DNS and container. DNS container. I'm missing AI and MFA, 2FA, um, or... You'd think with you guys spouting off these words that I would have gotten it by now, but I still haven't. Big data and machine learning. I didn't get either of those, so... You can't click them now. The I, well, game's I, over at this point. Even clicking them now, it's still not giving what me... What are you bingo. missing? I suck at this game. What are you missing? Uh, well, you say all the things. That's your I problem. Guess. I'm missing... You also say all the things. You have to say the headlines. Uh, exploit, zero day, and robotic it all would have given me bingo at this point. Zero day, exploit, yeah. We did oh, not say those. Yep, my bingo cards. Oh, and, and hacking. Wait, we we didn't say hacking? I think I did. I don't think okay. anybody else said it. So. Interesting. Yeah, I just say the H word now, so you guys don't get... The H word. Don't get that. Well, anyway, yeah. like I said, uh, happy holidays to you guys, and happy you holidays... You excited. To, <laughs> happy holidays to everybody at home as well. Now I know what Santa is. <laughs> Thanks to you. It's Krampus. Krampus. Yeah. Yeah. It's Krampus. He's so. going to put you in a sack and hit you. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a good time. All right. <laughs> Thanks so much for watching. We'll see you guys next time right here on Technado.